And I know it's surprising to believe, but we are back for episode two of Good Take, Bad Take. They invited us back, Johnny. Yeah, we're doing it. It's a uh, it's second go here, so I think it's happening. So, Good Take, Bad Take, where we take some kind of list that's out there. A listicle. A, <laughs> a listicle. <laughs> and we go over it. We decide, is it a good take or is it a bad take? Episode one was ranking the signature hamburgers. Yep. And uh, I had a blast doing it. Oh, yeah. It's always good to talk about food. What was number one on that list? In and out. In and out and the double double, right? The that double, was the yep. list. Uh, overall, we thought it, the, the list overall missed, but we had no, no qualms necessarily about with the number, number one. one. Yeah. So we got two listeners who already uh, gave us a message. Danny Ryan said, My take in and out, hands down. The takers. That's right. So thank you to that. And then we got a much more detailed email from Chantel Potter. In and out is the best, she said. Five Guys is decent, but you have to get their Cajun fries, spices, and fresh. Uh, the Cotton Bottom in Salt Lake is a bar burger that's really good. Yeah. Remember we talked about The Habit? She said Habit is great. Yeah, she they, had a good review of The Habit. They have a teriyaki we're, we're burger going. that is also delish. They have sweet potato fries, and you can do mushrooms on their burgers. But here's the thing. I want to try that signature burger. you yeah. got to try the signature well, burger Well, I'm going to try a couple. I mean, we're oh, going in on October 14th, and uh, it's going to be more than just a signature burger because she listed out a couple different recommendations that sounded delicious so she also brought up something that i hadn't thought about but i should have because you know we were talking about the dave single for wendy's that's not what i was raised on with wendy's i was raised on the junior bacon cheeseburger absolutely and we didn't she, bring the junior bacon no, cheeseburger up. no if i'm talking about the whopper do they still raised, have the junior bacon cheeseburger? they do yeah. it's it's more junior than it used to be with it's less tiny. bacon it's yeah junior. i know uh, but she mentioned it's an insane value. And then she wrote, in and out always wins, especially the fact that it's like three bucks. You could get four or five of them for the price of some of these. Yeah. She didn't know A&W had chili fries, so she's going to be heading over there soon. So so a way to bring that up. Johnny, you've done well in this world for yeah, other man. people. I you're, felt pretty good about that. <laughs> you're an agent of change. <laughs> Definitely an agent of change. And well, uh, Chantel's leader of the takers right now. Man. My she's, goodness, she is. Well, Danny, I mean, uh, thank you for your yeah, just one little, yes, it's the best. But she really laid it out uh, on here, so I was excited about that. And here's the thing. It was so good that I invited her to come on a I was, future episode. I was going to say that. When we do a follow-up, follow she's going to be invited. Uh, she also had the idea in a future episode of doing like this kind of like these signature things, but ranking the sandwich shops out there. I mean, yeah. where do you put some of these? Whether it's Firehouse, Subway, Jimmy John's, oh, I'm, I'm here for Jersey that Mike. Conversation. That one, I think we need to bring in sandwiches and do it on air. We can, and and we we can, and we will, and we will. Because th there, there is pros and cons to all those sandwiches. This is how I got fat, by the way. Well, I, I got to taste it. I got to yeah. taste it again. I mean, and again, eating is truly one of the best activities I think I engage in on yeah. a regular basis. So. Many times, I can see. Yes, over <laughs> and over. A couple of bigger dudes here talking about food. We are really shifting it now today. Yeah, we today are. Today is National Hobbit Day. Hobbit. So when I hear Hobbit, the first thing I think of is, of course, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, right? Absolutely. A, an absolute classic in my household. But let me ask you this first. How did you first get introduced to Lord of the Rings? Because, of course, Lord of the Rings came before the Hobbit series, oh, yeah. movie-wise. Yeah. And did you read the books? Uh, absolutely. So, I mean, the movies, I mean, we're aging ourselves here. We did that in the last episode, too. But, you know, um, the books, The Hobbit and The and the Lord of the Rings series, just Tolkien books uh, as a kid were kind of a staple. I mean, this is pre-Harry Potter era. This is sort of, um, you know, an introduction to fiction reading for a lot of us growing up. And so, yeah, I had read 
The Hobbit, and uh, Lord of the Rings a few times because I mean it's just it's just that kind of that kind of read. So it was big and big in our household. It was introduced to me uh, by my father, who was pretty much way more into Tolkien than I ever got. Uh, but it was you know it was something we read. And the first movie I'll never forget watching uh, a few times. We we mentioned it a little bit in passing before. Is that that odd animated Hobbit movie? <laughs> <laughs> I can you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Oh, yeah. they, we're not the, ranking that. That's where, not even where on they this all list. where they all kind of look like cherubs. <laughs> there's like this kind of looks like a storybook animation where there's it's not really animated, but they're like following the the story of the Hobbit, and then it's sort of like still drawings that keep changing. I have seen I have seen, seen lists out there too where it ranks everything, including those, and that was always ranked dead last. Very similar to ranking every single like comprehensive list of Star Wars, yeah, and always the Christmas special, the Chewbacca sure. thing was always <laughs> dead last, right? Yeah. So, but I mean, that was one of my first. I mean, as far as films related to the Tolkien series, that was the only one I had known. I mean, probably up until. They announced the Lord of the Rings trilogy was going to be hidden theaters, and it was huge. It was a big deal. So, I I never did read Lord of the Rings growing what? up. And really? I listened to this. I didn't wow. read Lord of the Rings. I hadn't even read The Hobbit. Like wow. I didn't do okay. any of that until you didn't about, know all the songs. No, didn't know any of the songs. I was the I think the only one in my family too that that didn't read any of those. My wife has read all of those, you know, mm -hmm. growing up. Or, yeah. Or listen to them, uh, you know. I, I had not, and in fact, I was in school. I was a student at Washington State University. This is two years after, you yeah, know, the Fellowship of the Ring has come out, and my best friend at the time in school, Jake Schwecky. He's uh, he lives in Jake, the area. Jake, shaky Jake, shaky Jake. He's uh, he's really into fantasy, right? That's so awesome. Yeah. He says, "Hey, you gotta." I don't even know how we ended up being friends. Actually, well, he likes sports. Yeah. He likes the Detroit Lions, by the way. Hey, that's favorite that's my NFL guy. team. I know. Yeah, we should rank so those next. Rank rank bad, bad friends. <laughs> well, this guy's a Lions fan, so yeah. So you know he's loyal to a fault. Um, uh huh. So. Anyway, he he was majorly into fantasy movies, fantasy books, and, and all that. Uh, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember in the movie E.T. where one of the brothers is making fun of, I guess, Elliot, the main character, and he says something about wizards and leprechauns. Anyway, yeah. so Jake tells me, "Hey, you got to watch this movie, Lord of the Rings, right? Fellowship of the Ring." And I'm like, "Nah, you know, I really don't want to watch a movie about wizards and leprechauns." Right. Anyway, oh, okay. So you so, quote the ET. Right. Yeah. So I'm making fun of him for yeah. this this Fellowship of the Ring. He's like, "No, it's really good." I'm like, "All right. You know what? What what a friend won't do for you know his friend." So, so I sit down and watch it, and we get we start watching it, and I don't remember what happened, but right, like what happened that we had to leave. Like we had to leave, but um, but we were just to the point where Gandalf. Um, is telling Frodo, do not take me for a conjurer of cheap tricks. And of course, yeah. the whole thing. And I was floored, and I'm like, what? And you had to leave? It was I shortly mean, after that, but I was hooked from that moment forward. I was like, yeah. no. I think it's because this wasn't even the extended version at that time. They hadn't right. released these, but you know, it's still a three-hour movie. Yeah, it was a long and, movie, man. And, and Jake's wife and my wife worked together in surgery, and they had to be there at 6.30 in the morning. And okay. so it was one of these things where, like, we've got to go, you know, and I'm like, but, 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 but. 
Yeah. There wasn't yeah. wizards and leprechauns. And, and you were and the hobbits, only but... one who didn't really know what was happening. Everyone else was like, this is cool. We'll come back to this. We've read the book, you know, umpteen times. Right. And we know so the story. Went yeah. home, watched the rest of it. I was absolutely mesmerized. I bet. Rewatched it a couple times. Then they started releasing the extended versions, right? So we went to uh, the Shopco here in Pullman, which doesn't exist anymore, and we bought the extended version uh-huh. and watched that. And so from that moment forward, we were hooked. But I remember watching Two Towers uh, in the theater Ooh. here in Pullman. Yeah. Yeah, I saw all three of the uh, Lord of the Ring trilogies in theater and then have watched them a few times after that on DVD. I mean, I saw DVDs sitting around just collecting dust. <laughs> Well, in my Lord- garage, but those were those were really good extended ones. And, mm-hmm. I mean, they were they were pretty epic. The Lord of the Rings trilogy was the first thing that I ever bought on 4K. So that tells you. In my house, when when winter break hits, kids aren't in school anymore. We have a tradition that dates back about six or seven years that we watched the whole trilogy. So as we go through this list, it'll be pretty apparent where The Hobbit. That is not something that we watch. We okay. just don't. I, you know, right. And so I, we'll I, get into this with the list too, because the hobbits fall kind of far, distant second to the to the Lord of the Rings which trilogy, which I feel is which the is, greatest which trilogy I love ever. The written. Hobbit, the book. I mean, yes. I read the Hobbit, the book, and maybe it's my partial entry is like I'm I'm loyal to a fault, as also a Lions fan. So if that tells you, listeners, anything about uh, me and Jake, friends of Brandon, are loyal to a fault. So Brandon's kind of like the Detroit Lions here. Uh, but nonetheless, perpetual. Loser. Nonetheless, we're lo- yeah, we're loyal to a fault. So don't so you take this with a grain of salt on good take, bad take. But the Hobbit was the first book I read in the Tolkien, um, you know, genre of books. Uh, and you know, my dad said, "Here you got to start with this one. This actually is, you know, the first right. in these big ones to read." I mean, there are all kinds of other auxiliary ones that we never really got into, but. You know, I had The Hobbit, and I loved it. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I mean, I was a little hung up on songs. I was like, it's weird when you're reading, and all of a sudden it breaks into song. And then, you know, but, so I'm partial to the story of The Hobbit. And, the, you know, uh, but, man, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the books, also the films, um, they, The Hobbit stuff takes a second to it. So let's get into the list. Yeah, well, I will say... Very similar to Star Wars, right? You you love, and then the prequels come out. Uh, that's you know that's part of the problems. We went into this, I think, with an expectation that was set so high, right? The bar was set so high that you can't overachieve, right? It makes it really difficult to overachieve. So, um, and there's just something about again the first time. So the like they really nailed the trilogy for yeah. for. Lord of the Rings, and we get it. We should do a listicle on Star Wars because those films too. We will, yeah. Now that we've mentioned it, we have to. I mean, I mean that's the way it is. Chantal will email us about it, and and we'll we'll take it from there. That's right. Well, a um, couple things to be clear: there are several lists out there. I snagged one online um, that you know I thought was was pretty representative of most of the ones that I see. Uh, also. To be clear, the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power that came out on on Amazon Prime, right? This was a huge billion dollar, you know, production like miniseries, like limited series. Yeah, kind of yep, thing? yep, yeah. like a eight episode kind of thing. Yeah, um, uh, that I is not included it. in this. Yeah, list. okay, good. I I haven't seen it. I think I had like gl- caught a glimpse that it existed and it just yeah. didn't fall. Well, on my part radar. of the problem is 
sometimes they announce these things and it's a year and a half in the future without yeah. a date and you don't even yeah so so this list comes from collider uh, and it was by Michael John Petty. It was October 20th, 2022. Okay. So Fairly just recent. so you know, right, where we're at on that. And we're going to jump right in with number six here. And and if I were to guess the way most rankings are going to happen, it's going to be the Hobbit trilogy and mm-hmm. then the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, number six on this is the battle. Well, let, let's actually take it first. Let's set a context. The first movie that came out, Lord of the Rings, was Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Then The Two Towers... Then came, uh, then came Return of the King. Right? Yeah, so, so the three told the three Lord of the Rings. Films right, came Fellowship out. of the Ring came out in 01. In two thousand two came the Two Towers. Two thousand three came Return of the King. Then the Hobbit uh, series came out, the trilogy. So twenty twelve was an unexpected journey. Mm-hmm. Twenty thirteen was Desolation of Smog. Smog in twenty thirteen and twenty. Uh, 14 was the Battle of the Five Armies. Okay. Sure. All right. So we, so now you know that order. Okay. Number six on the list, The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. It says, while this may not be the best of Jackson's Hobbit trilogy, there are still some wonderful moments in The Battle of the Five Armies that make this final trip to Middle-earth an exciting adventure. The film opens where the second left off with Smaug descending from the Lonely Mountain onto Lake Town. The opening act sees Bard take down who's Luke Evans by mm-hmm. the way take down the who was by the way fantastic and what was the uh, Beauty and the Beast man yeah. oh my gosh he was so good uh, the opening act sees Bard take down the dragon in a battle that doesn't seem to last nearly as long as we were promised but it's still an epic conclusion to the last film's cliffhanger and Smog is played by a dude who plays Sherlock yeah Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch that's it how you say it Benedict yeah he's cool I've, I've heard it many ways yeah <laughs> Uh, so I felt like it was very underwhelming. Like I know what they mentioned here was it was kind of an anticlimactic thing. I the second Man, that's a nice way of saying it, it was pretty boring. It it was more boring than I expected. Yeah, I saw it in the movie theaters with some friends of ours that now live in Wisconsin, and I think we all left the theater going, you know what? I I mean it was okay. Yeah, but it I wasn't. Didn't, I didn't see it in the theater. I watched it after, and you know I. Had to power through it. I was like, "This is kind of boring," and and, and to be fair, it, I agree with this. It's it's lowest on my list of these. If, you know, if we look at these six, it's six for me. Um, but to be really fair about it, it might just be fatigue of the story. I know the story. I've read it a bunch of times, and and it felt kind of dragged, dragged out, and anticlimactic. And so it could have just been that like. That I've watched too many of these things now to where I expected more and it didn't deliver, and so I have less of an opinion of it. But and and the Hobbit book was not that long of a book. No, that's what I mean. And it's they like they made they're belaboring it. long movies. <laughs> yeah, over this book, and one that I did enjoy. So we'll get to that. I was like, I, I one of them I would re- even rewatch. Okay, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, so number five on the list. The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. So this was the first of that new Hobbit trilogy and introduced us to Martin Freeman, yeah. who, by the way, he was he played Bilbo Baggins. Yep. This was the first that I ever had, had really seen Martin Freeman, but now since then I've seen him, of course, he's been in a, a number of things, right? He's 
Well, he was in Sherlock. Mm -hmm. He was also in uh, Fargo, one of the TV uh, seasons of Fargo. And boy, I got to tell you, I think he's a fantastic actor. Throw that out there. Yeah, I agree. Unassuming, I agree. but but you know. No, I think he is a fantastic actor. I mean, especially to come back to it. that that show, Sherlock is phenomenal. And both, what's his name? Benedict, Benedict Cumberland. Cumberbatch. Yeah, Cumberbatch. Yeah. And uh, it does sound like something you're going to wear when you're. It's a little hard night. to watch <laughs> Sherlock when you've seen both of them as, you know, as yeah. characters in the in the in the Hobbit series and right. the Lord of the Rings, and so <laughs> it's a little bit of a stretch. You have to get into it and get over it. But yeah, he's he's great. Right. Uh, one of the the main, uh, we'll say, complaints about this was the CGI in this one. I mean, Peter Jackson did a, just a brilliant job with the CGI in that first trilogy and one of the criticisms of this film when it came out was an over-reliance on on cgi because you remember peter jackson yes he used a lot of cgi but the middle earth like the middle earth portions mm -hmm. of things i mean it was it was planet earth i mean we're in new zealand for a lot of this filming and it was just, it was nature, right? I mean, you could still go to some of these Hobbit houses that are in New Zealand. Like, some of them are on Airbnb now and Verbo and stuff like that. Like, yeah. you can rent them out. You could stay in a Hobbit home. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, how wild like, is that? Just vacation in the Shire. Yeah. The other thing was a 48 frames per second frame rate, which was uh, a little bit different than, yeah, than what different. we're used to. Because, I mean, traditionally, you know, you're talking film, you're talking about 24 or 23.97 frames Right, it's got this film feel to it, and now all of a sudden, it's just so different. I did. I, this is the one I like the most of the Hobbits. So it's a little spoiler alert that like I kind of disagree with the list here. I would put this. They, they, they have the other Hobbit movie coming ahead of it. This is my favorite one. Uh, primary reason I felt this one followed the book like really closely, and 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 then the scenes with Gollum and that. You know, that, Bilbo and Gollum, the yeah. scenes with Bilbo Classic. and Gollum were fantastic. That's what I mean. So this is my rewatch of them all. And, you know, for for folks who nerd out on the Tolkien, like you read Hobbit enough times to know the story. But this one really in particular, uh, this is the one I would rewatch of it. I would have this as my uh, four. You know, they have it at five. So, yeah, this this says while there are characters and subplots introduced here that don't take place in the original Hobbit book, this one might be the most accurate adaptation yeah. from the novel. An unexpected journey is a fun and often comedic tale of an unsuspecting Hobbit that is probably the most focused of the three. So jumping to number four, and and this is my favorite. Actually. Oh, yeah, I know you it love is. this listicle. I, I, I do. A fanical of the listicle. Well, I just want to be very clear. I didn't find the one that would, would be yeah, most yeah, Oh, no, you didn't. To, oh, you stop, didn't. stop, stop. That's not going to happen when we do the sandwich thing either. Yeah, but the second Hobbit film, The Desolation of Smaug, is certainly that. The dragon who began <laughs> his entire adventure is magnificently brought to life by Cumberbatch, who did all his own motion capture for the hideous creature. But I've also heard people who didn't really like the Smaug or Cumberbatch's uh, role, but anyway, that aside, his back and forth with Bilbo is the main highlight. This part I, I did feel like went on a little bit long. Yeah, it did. You know what I mean? I, they drug it out. Yeah, uh, but I really did like when it started getting to um, to the the village portion of the of the thing. Which uh, now now I'm just absolutely losing the the name of that. Um, let's see here, uh, Lake Town. 
Ah, yeah. yeah. When they're in Lake Town, and then the ending, when here comes Smaug, right? It, the cliffhanger in this one I thought was fantastic, and and that's where it mentions the number six on this list. That's where it mentions mm-hmm. Battle of the Five Armies, that it picks it up from that. Yeah. You're expecting something epic that doesn't turn out to be as epic as you expected, right? Right. But all of that was in this movie. Yeah, the, the buildup was there. The buildup was great. The buildup um, to, to, the, to the pending action that right. didn't deliver. <laughs> Uh, so like, this says the next film is going to be packed with all kinds of war and action. Psych! It's going to be actually kind of boring and drawn out. This film introduces dwarfish company to Bard, who helps Thorn and his company into Lake Town to prepare for war. Oh, and there are some giant spiders who Bilbo can understand when he wears the One Ring. By the way, that's cool. Though. I hate spiders. Yeah, like they are Satan's handmaidens. Okay, <laughs> uh, they are like. The spawn of Lucifer. So you, you don't like spiders then, huh? No, I hate them. I absolutely hate them. So I struggled in Lord of the Rings with the giant spider. But in this case, there were so many of these things. Uh, I, at one point in the theater, I'm watching with my son, and I'm like, um, tell me when it's over. Yeah, you couldn't. And what kind of son, like total turd, dad, it's over. Open my eyes. No, it's not. You no. Know? <laughs> of course, you take a teenager, you know, that's what's yeah, happen. Yeah, they got you, man. Um, but I thought that this one was pretty good. Um, my favorite of the three, here's the thing, even my favorite of this, it was, it was probably that second half that I liked the most in, in this Lake Town. Yeah. Um, but it was still a far cry from the top three. Yeah. Far cry. Oh yeah. There's a big gap between the Hobbit trilogy and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. This is what's interesting to me is because now we're going to vary a little bit in our opinion because number three on this list, the Lord of the Rings, the two towers, the second of the trilogy with the battle at Helm's That's Deep. That's my favorite, man. That's my number one. This is the one I say don't sleep on this one because... This is the one, man. It, it, it's the one that my wife says, oh, isn't that one kind of just a little bit long? I'm like, dude, once they start the battle of Helm's Deep, man... And then they just play out the battle. Like, I love that battle. That battle scene extended just goes on and on, and it's epic. To I me, feel... It takes... takes I, I like it the best out of the three. It's my number one. Yeah, that battle to me, the, it's the best battle in all of it. Yeah, I, I love when the king is this all you could conjure, Saruman, yeah. right? Well, no, it was not all Saruman. Could no, conjure. but uh, I there were a couple poignant scenes in this. Uh, first of all, when 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 they're putting the armor on the young kids, man, yeah. that was that hit. Yeah, that, that hit hard. Like they didn't have any other option. Their backs were up against the wall. And that that was very very strong, and the you notice the brilliance in in Aragorn, the nobility in yeah. Aragorn, which the king had to find again, but the nobility in Aragorn to say we may die, but we're going to to die this, with this. This movie for me right. it has like Godfather two feels. Like the first one's good, the second one's just epic. The third yeah. one, it's there, it's important, you like it, but it goes that's the order for me in these. I feel so so I feel the so two towers comes and it's just like Godfather Two status. So okay. that, she's that a hits. strong lady, she's probably gonna tell me that I don't need to feel sorry for her, but I feel so bad for the 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 gal in this, the the one who loves Aragorn so much. Ah. Right? And she <laughs> his heart belongs to somebody <laughs> completely different, right? But yeah, uh, you know, so that that whole love thing is side like all of that that kind of i i thought crept in i don't know but it, it surely was in the books right yeah in some form or fashion and so that's why that that came in but there were a couple things in the battle that i thought were they brought some humor to it yeah right the 
the the counting began between elf and dwarf, between mm-hmm. Gimli and and uh, and uh, oh, what, uh, Orlando Bloom's character. Now I just I just lost it. I should never lose that on a Lord of the Rings nerd discussion, right? Uh, Legolas. Legolas, but they start counting the uh, you know their takedowns. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. It was cool. Uh, also, when when Gimli, they decide to throw Gimli to the to the little bridge, and he's like, "Don't tell the elf." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, I thought that was that was pretty good. And of course, epic. You got to have an epic Legolas scene, right? In the first movie, it's when I mean he he takes about thirty arrows out in a row, and just like. Just nonstops getting everybody, or the one he shoots all the way across the yeah. big cavern, you know, and hits the guy. Yeah. Um, in this one, it's throwing the shield down and riding down the stairs oh, while he's like using the bow and arrow yeah. and, and taking out the uh, the orcs and all that. I yeah. just thought that was fantastic. Um, I actually think the battle was my favorite battle. Yeah. Okay. It's top battle, but not it, top it is movie top battle. And, and and then my favorite scene in this actually is when. I think Aragorn comes in to the king who's been under the spell, right? And he he's trying to pull the demons out. And then he drops the robe and he becomes the white wizard. And boom, it was like, uh-uh, uh-huh. I don't think so. Yeah, so. man, I love when the trees come. Like the trees enter the battle. I mean, that was that was epic. And I that, think I remember in the movie theater, people like standing up and like, like cheering, like, like, like it was a like watching a gladiator fight. Yeah. So in this one, it says, I'll read you what they have. Uh, Frodo and Sam are led to Gollum, are led by Gollum to Mordor, while Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli set off to find Merry and Pippin, only to be interrupted by the problems occurring in Rohan between the Battle of Helm's Deep, the journey from the Ents to Isengard, which is what you're talking about in Sam's care for Frodo. The film constantly puts our heroes in peril. Our heroes' desire to take out the turncoat Saruman is admirable. But what truly makes this film stand out is the juxtaposition between Sam's unconditional love for Frodo and Frodo's own torment at the hands of the One Ring. Mm -hmm. As these hobbits struggle through their unfamiliar surroundings, they must rely on one another or be driven apart. Sam and Gollum play the angel and the devil on Frodo's shoulder quite perfectly, which would be enough to drive Frodo mad if he didn't already have the ring to deal with. The Two Towers is a killer sequel that features the most epic fantasy battle in film history. Mm-hmm. Which I agree with, and we—that's what we said—and highlights one of the most important bonds in all of cinema, and yet it's the one that everybody is going to rank number three on this list, except me, except you. I put it number one, straight up number one. Yep, unbelievable. I, I'm a fan of the sequel, though. You'll find that out in future listicles, man. Okay, you just keep having to say the word listicles. Don't you? <laughs> the other thing is because we're talking about Saruman. Christopher Lee, fantastic actor, right? He was, for 40 years, I guess, he read Lord of the Rings, the the book, for 40 years, every single year. Yeah. He was a huge fan. He's the only one of the cast that ended up actually meeting Tolkien. Wow. And they met by chance in a bar in in England. So uh, he was a huge Tolkien fan, loved the book. And his desire always had been to play uh, Gandalf. But there were several fight scenes and other things that just were, I guess, physically strenuous. So it was Peter Jackson's decision to uh, have Christopher Lee play Saruman okay, uh, as opposed to Gandalf. Mm-hmm. I think it worked out well. Yeah, I think it worked but out But really boy, well. Christopher Lee just did a, just a, an awesome job playing this dark character. Oh, yeah. And just did it so ably. 
Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was it was amazing. That I must thought be it was a thing. Shout out to a lot of my friends who annually read the Lord of the Rings. That's like I have at least two or three friends who are into you know fantasy, Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. And they and growing up, they would every year read it. I wonder if that's like a thing, like if that just like happenstance mm-hmm. or if that's like a known thing, like like yeah. like up oh, that time of year, got to read. I haven't read read Lord of the Rings yet this year. Okay. So, you know how I told you I, I didn't want it to watch something that was Wizards and Leprechauns, right? I'm yeah. making fun of my friend yeah, Jake. Yep. And now I'm hooked. We do it every year. It's a big family thing. Uh-huh. That is the reason that my, my best friend right now, Ivan, he's a big Dungeons & Dragons fan. I've yeah. never played D&D. Okay. And give it I think a, you part, give it a no, go. No, no. I think part of the thing is I know if I do, <laughs> you might here, really here I'm casting it. aspersions, yeah. you know, throwing shade at Ivan for being this nerdy, <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's gonna become an addiction or something. I'm gonna come into the office. There's gonna be figures painted, and yeah, you're gonna be recruiting characters to your right. to your regular game. We are not ever gonna do a listicle of worst addictions, though. Okay. Let's not do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> As we talk about D and D cheeseburgers, be. tacos, and <laughs> sodas. Oh man! Okay, this is where it all started. Number two on the list, The Fellowship of the Ring, came out two thousand one. The film that kind of began it all, the award winning, yep. began. I mean, this this film started it. It was awesome. Uh, between Frodo and his friends' time in the comfort of the Shire, and the moment that the Fellowship bands together in Rivendell, our initial introduction to Middle Earth is breathtaking. Uh, as the Fellowship sets off their quest, they encounter goblins, orcs, and even a Balrog in the barren mines of Moria. Although they lose both Gandalf and Boromir, Sean Bean, of course you're going to lose Sean Bean, right? That, yeah. That's pretty well known. He's going to die. Sean Bean will die mm-hmm. in everything. By the way, Sean Bean had um, several... Um, Sean Bean was... Uh, he had a fear of like the helicopters and like rides like that. So they had some mountaintop things. Yeah. He climbed the mountain every time that they had to film. Okay. Rather than fly up. Right. That uh, says, we still believe that they ca- they can carry on no matter the odds. Mm-hmm. Jackson's vision for Middle Earth is on full display here. Gandalf's battle against the Balrog. You shall not. I mean, we, pass. Had, we had never seen really a film with this much like. This was like epic. Epic cinematography. And it brought us Howard Shore's uh, film score, which yeah. was amazing. It, yeah. It worked so well with that. Uh, let's see here. We got Arwen, Liv Tyler, uh, Boromir's final sacrifice. The Witch King. That's right. The Fellowship of the Ring is one of the most beautiful fantasy films to ever make it to big screen and immediately proved to fans and critics that Peter Jackson knew what he was doing. So... If you could take this years before, okay, Stanley Kubrick was once asked to uh, do a Lord of the Rings. It was the Beatles wanted to do Lord of the Rings, the Beatles musicians, and they yeah. wanted to play the different roles. And of course, and they did. Stanley <laughs> Kubrick said that this wouldn't this wouldn't be successful. Yeah. So of I course, mean, if Stanley Kubrick did it. That, it would have been very bizarre. Yeah, <laughs> not to say that it would not. I I kind of agree with them. I'm not sure you could cast the Beatles into these roles. Well, it wasn't about them. It was just it was in general, like right, it doesn't general. translate to. Well, I mean, think about. This I can is, see. I can see a, mu- a lot of directors ruining this. And this is a big. I don't know. I'm. I mean, I'm not a uh, film history buff, although I'm a, a film enthusiast. I don't really know my stuff. I just kind of talk about it and love watching films. But I don't really remember too many. I mean, besides Titanic and other really long movies that came out. Um, I don't remember anybody taking on. Well, there had been the Star Wars trilogy, but those were rel- relatively short, and they, you know, weren't based on like canon literature. 
Sure. And so I, I think kind of like this was this was what shifted this really shifted films. Like it became like, hey, you can take this series and make it into a film. And then we saw a whole slew of them after after that. So there were some interesting facts that that I had read about Lord of the Rings um, and the trilogy. 55 Lord of the Rings facts. <laughs> I'm not going to name them all. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, but including who was it that turned down the, the roles for different things? Sure. Uh, Sean Connery apparently turned down the role of Gandalf. He didn't understand the script. Okay. Uh, that was something that I had read. Now, I want to be very clear that a lot of these are based in fact, and some could be like rumor, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Viggo Mortensen loved the horses that he had used. So the three horses that were used in the film, he bought those from the owner. Okay. And Interesting facts. Which, which uh, I've seen cited several places. So, you know, if it's on the internet in several places, it must be true. Yeah, yeah. Let's see here. Uh, Lord of the Rings movie cost uh, half as much as it cost the Hobbit trilogy to make. This is my... Twice my as much. Movie. Yeah. I wonder, too, if because they were using a lot more CGI, they were doing a lot of things, right, if that had something to do with it. And the success of those of that trilogy, then I think... Once Raises the premiums. Yeah, and once you figure out you're working on that legacy of things, you probably are more expensive. All um, the mountains on Saturn's largest moon are named after mountains from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> what? Okay. I didn't know that, uh, which I thought was kind of neat. Uh, all of the cast, the main nine cast members, all got the same matching elvish tattoos, except for John Rice Davies. Didn't want to do it. Okay. But his casting double, his stunt double, did it. Did it. So oh, okay. So at least there's stunt a Gimli out there yes. that has that. Uh, this one uh, was interesting. Tolkien, and I've seen this, and this is a legal issue, so I'm sure this is true. Uh, the Tolkien, um, I guess, folks did not receive the total amount that they were supposed to receive for the trilogy. Wow. Originally, it said the Tolkien Tolkien only received a total of 62,500, which was about 150 million dollars short. After a lengthy lawsuit, Tolkien was finally given the full amount he was owed. I I would imagine that's a no-brainer. Right. Uh, filming the destruction of Sauron's tower was difficult. Return of the King debuted sometime in the year 2003. Mm -hmm. Back then, the memory of 9-11 was still fresh. Choreographi choreographing the scene of S Sauron's tower was a difficult process as creators did not want it to resemble the World Trade Center attack. Because there was a, a big tower and you yeah, had somebody come down, yeah. Uh, and it was fresh. It was really fresh. It was. Let's see here. Um, we mentioned that Tolkien didn't want Return of the King as the name. Uh, I didn't know this. The University of California at Irvine, and then I've seen pictures and I've seen things online, that the dorms where they're located, are they call it Middle Earth, and then all of the corridors are named after towns and regions in the franchise. Okay. So where we've got, you know, Rogers and Norton Hall at, like, WCU, for example. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they've got names all from Lord of the Rings. And so all, in terms of Aragorn, okay, Viggo Mortensen is who they ended up getting. <laughs> this one, okay, you ready for this? Nicolas Cage was originally supposed to play the role of Aragorn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whew, they, they did good. They did good in making the, the, the cast decision on, on Aragorn. Okay, the backup... The, the next person was Daniel Day-Lewis. Now, he is... Yeah, yeah. I mean, he'd do well in anything because he gets into it, right? Yeah. 
but it's hard to imagine anyone other than Viggo Mortensen because that's what yeah. we've seen, right? Yeah, yeah. It's but hard to think of anybody in these. I could see Daniel Day-Lewis doing a wonderful job, actually, but Nicolas Cage, I mean... You know what's interesting too is these films did change reading the book. I read the the series after the films again, like I had read it as a kid a few di- a few times, and then read it. And they did like I think films do this; they shift how you read the book. And so you know you have burnt into your head the image of who these characters are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, Viggo Mortensen did his stunts without a double. And he he hurt himself actually in the movie. He kicked a helmet at one point, right? And uh, he broke his <laughs> broke his foot, broke his toe or something. And and that was the take that they used. Yeah, you know. But he, I mean, you know, when you're in character, sometimes you're in character. Uh, and he just he kept going until he was done. And Orlando Bloom broke his ribs during filming. He was thrown from a horse while filming the two tower scene. Uh, videos online show his castmates teasing him about his complaints about the injury. Uh, we already mentioned John Rhys Davies was the tallest of all of them. That's 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 a crazy thing to think of. He was Gimli the dwarf, but you know, and he's not a he's a he's a big guy. He's six one, right? But he's he was the tallest of that cast, and and yet he plays the dwarf, which I thought was interesting. And of course, Peter da- Peter Jackson's daughter makes several cameos. Yes, throughout that, the film, I remember hearing that. Yeah, when Bilbo at the very first one, Bilbo's telling stories, right? Yeah. So we haven't got to the number one on this list, but I wanted to ask you, because I was sharing this today with somebody. Yeah. I came across, and you couldn't get more nerdy than this, but I think it's so hilarious. There is, you ever seen the uh, Instagram account, Airplane Facts with Max? No. Okay. So I want to play you this. I'll let you see <laughs> All right. It, All right. And then we will let people uh, to listen to this. So here we go. I'm an aircraft mechanic, and this is an Airplane Fact with Max. Today I'm on a 787, and next to me is the aircraft's window. But something that makes these windows a little bit different than the windows on normal aircraft is that the window shades actually darken electronically. And so when you press this button, the window actually begins to fade to black. But something that makes this fading a little bit different than the fading that Frodo experienced after he was stabbed by a Nazgul on top of Weathertop in The Lord of the Rings is that this window actually doesn't begin to fade because of the evils contained within the Morgul Blade, which was carried by the Witch King of Angmar, which resulted in Frodo having to be carried on horseback by Glorfindel to Rivendell before eventually they were able to lose the pursuing Nazgul when they were swept away in the floods over the Ford of Brunin. But this window darkens electronically, and I think this window shade's pretty cool. So, yep. Yeah, you can, that's it. That sums it up uh, to how way too many conversations I've had with <laughs> with friends who are fanatics. This is why I was afraid to watch Lord of the Rings in the yeah, beginning. Right, right. right. But uh, that that's an accurate depiction. One more. I'm an aircraft mechanic, and this is an airplane fact with Max. Today I'm actually below the aircraft pack bay, which is what aircraft use for their air conditioning systems. But something that makes an aircraft pack a little bit different than the packs carried by the hobbits in the Lord of the Rings is they were getting ready to leave the Shire from Kitalo to begin their journey through the old forest where Mary and Pippin would be swallowed by the great old willow tree on the banks of the Withywindle River before being rescued by Tom Bombadil, who was one of the oldest living creatures in Middle-earth, who would then take the hobbits to rest for a time at his house before they continued their journey out of the old forest, where the hobbits would be taken captive by a barrow white and laid unconscious next to each other. In the barrow, as a skeletal hand began to grab the hilt of a sword to drag it across the hobbits' throats, when Frodo would then call for help from Tom Bombadil, who would come rescue the hobbits for a second time. 
and then lead them safely to the borders of his country, to the road that they would be able to take to the town of Bree and stay at the Prancing Pony, um, is that these packs won't actually help hobbits carry their equipment on a quest to destroy the Ring of Power, but it will use um, bleed air from the compressor stage of the aircraft's engine to help provide air conditioning and cabin pressurization for an aircraft, and I think that these packs are pretty cool. So, yep. I like how he says yeah. they're pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, man. So this is probably how people who are big fans of the Tolkien series uh, hear this this episode and think, man, those guys don't know anything <laughs> about the Lord that's, of the Rings. That's my number because one like, fear. like that's actually the level at, of, of Lord of the Rings discussions that I've sat privy to and have and I've read the books and I've been like, yeah, that's all in there. Okay, that makes sense. Damn. You remember all those things. Uh, we're like, you know, when the trees came to the battle. <laughs> the trees. They're not trees, they're ends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've heard it both ways. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You say tree, I say ants. You know, yeah. you say ants, I say tree. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> you know, the Tolkien, the Tolkien fans. They'd be like, get they, the ants, It's cringeworthy. This whole episode is, is beyond cringeworthy for Tolkien fans out there. Um, but, you Zelt. know. Yeah, zealots. <laughs> well, anyway, I watched these guys. If you can imagine the other ones, he, 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 all of his facts are like this or Star Wars related. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, and, you know, we get to this. This listicle is actually, this, you know, it's a good one. They're pretty, I feel pretty accurate to it. We haven't done number one yet. We haven't done number no, one. No. So you get to it. It's not my number one. I know. I know. That's okay. Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, the only one of these to win Academy Award for Best Picture. Because they won several awards, but best picture was this one. Return of the King is the absolute best that Peter Jackson's Middle Earth saga has to offer. The epic conclusion of the Middle Earth saga, including the Hobbit films, if you consider chronology, sees all order restored as the Dark Lord Sauron is finally dethroned, the One Ring destroyed, and Aragorn finally takes place as the King of Gondor. And all of this happened in about six different endings, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we thought it was over. No, it's not. Nope. Uh, kept going. What, is, what are the... Um, the movie pitches, have you seen those movie pitch, that movie pitch series that was done uh, by some? Anyway, that was a good example, I think, of, of uh, you know, where they're making fun of every single ending. It just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. Um, the only thing on this one that I just never quite understood, and I'm sure the book fans would tell me, you had this, you had these folks in the, in the, uh, the mountain, right? It was just their spirits. They came out and destroyed. Why didn't they just go through everything, right? Why didn't they... Why were they released from their obligation as soon as they were released instead of going to the very end to the to the gates of Mordor, right? I mean, you'd think that that would be, they'd be able to sweep through and take care of everything. Also, why did the Eagles not, you know, take a bigger part? But anyway, those are beside the point. Uh, number one on their list, Return of the King, where you see uh, Aragorn take his, his place, right? And yep. I mean, who doesn't love when he bows to nobody, right? Yeah. He bows to no hobbit. And when Sam and Frodo, when they say goodbye, I mean, that was rough, You, 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 li you liked all the closure of the story. I do. There yeah. were several closures of this yeah. story. Overall, I know you like number uh, two, two, two the best. Two is one for me. I'm saying it's the unsung hero. I know a lot of people like number one because it starts the story. My wife likes all the scenes in the Shire, right? That's that's why it's her favorite. Mm -hmm. um, I do like number three the best, but I, I feel like there are pieces of the other ones that are just also my favorites. Um, 
overall, though, do you think that the list is a decent list? Does it does it pass? Does it not pass? Is it a good take or is it a bad take? I think it's a good take. I think it's I mean, a good take. I think it's a good take. Even though I order them a little differently, I'm I'm kind of a out there guy with how I order you know trilogies. So mm-hmm. I think it's a good take because I understand the reasons the for logic doing anything, for it. and I I don't think it's fundamentally flawed. No, I agree. I think it's a good take. Okay, with that, we we when we come back next time, we'll have something else. But we will recap because I I guarantee yeah. we're going to oh, get we're hate gonna mail get on this one. Hate mail and schooled <laughs> on this one. All right, Johnny Lupinacci, thank you so much. Yeah, good thank take, you, bad Chappie. take. Let's go.